I just think he's full of SH1T at times. It's like, you know, quoting Kipling to players doesn't work. Rudyard Kipling. Probably Mr. Kipling would have been better. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Well, you are very welcome along. It's going to be some weekend. Uh, what are we going to pack into this weekend of sport with the Champions League, all the football, everything else that's going on? We've a really, really busy news round, as you would expect. Um, but it does kind of have one eye on what's been happening over today and one eye on the weekend. And uh, we'll have John Giles viewing the Premier League season coming up. Um, he's going to talk about uh, Leeds obviously surviving, uh, you know, the, the, the joy of the Manchester City win and what they did for football in the second half. And also so pitch invasions and so on and so forth um, and he will talk to Champions League decider Eamon O'Hara and Conor Gilligan will be on to talk the football championships in their respective provinces that of Connacht and Ulster two fascinating clashes there with some meaningful metrics as well on the Champions League final and on the football show later Tim Vickery is going to talk uh, the Latin American influence in the Champions League final and Graeme Gartland will be discussing the League of Ireland uh, which is just getting a bit more basket casey with every week a uh, really bizarre round of results on Monday and the news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day and in advance of a wedding on a Saturday call I actually got got the old trim today got the beard trim and look very slick may I thanks, for, thanks. If, if only Joe were here <laughs> to describe for our radio listeners what yeah what are, you, dollars. what are you why aren't you here Joe it's not I don't know I mean I'm here but I'm not quite there you look very well though thanks very much you're remote today yeah remote today What's, what's happening? On? What's going on? What, what, what's uh, wetting your appetite most for the weekend ahead? I guess it's hard to look beyond Champions League final. I'm at I'm at a, I'm at a wedding on Saturday, and I don't know that many people at the wedding. So it's it, it's like how many points in do you broach the subject of? Can we watch the TV now? Well, it will be a wedding with phones at the table. I wouldn't. Um, yeah. I wouldn't envy the speechmakers, to be honest. No. Have you ever had one of those weddings, Joe? Where you know people were there kind of in body but they weren't really there in spirit they were watching some yeah. sport on their laptop or something on their oh phones. yeah thankfully yeah. not my own but um oh we've all been there you know and then there's, you know, there's like there's moments where you think the dance floor is a bit sparse here and then you uh wander into the next room to the bar and you realize at least half the wedding guests are watching whatever matches on yeah it's it's um <laughs> I think it comes as a cruel surprise to any uh, member of the wedding party who's not a sports fan when they realise, you know, there's a massive sporting occasion on that day. Uh, it's, uh, it's a tough one. What do you do? You, you, I mean, you can't be, uh, well, it's my wedding and you're not going to have a good time by watching the sport you want to watch. So come back in here and dance. You can't really do that either. So um, I think I think the best weddings embrace it, don't they? I think they do call, you know, and sporting weddings if I've, I've often sat around tables with strangers and we're all just watching a hurling game or something. Mm. It's just not working out time-wise for you really, is it? Because the Champions League is at eight and mm. what time is the wedding at? The, uh, as in the mass is probably afternoon it's time. No mass, them days are gone. Okay, yeah. so you're probably sitting down to have your meal around eight or you're, you're in the throes of the meal at that stage. Uh, you see, I'd say the meal will start Heineken Champions Cup kickoff time. Yeah. Then, okay, well, then you might be wrapped sp- up. You'll be into speeches for Champions League final time. Oh, that, that's a good point, Joe. There could be a fair few rugby fans uh, uh, at the wedding. Be well, good know, good quality of person and, and me at this wedding. And uh, John, John, Johnny, as you often say, this is rugby country. 
<laughs> it is rugby country. We, we've already had a text in. I was at a wedding last weekend. Managed to watch the Wexford Kilkenny game and the Monster Monster Leinster game. It was the most sport I've managed to see on a Saturday night in a while. I hope it wasn't your own wedding. That's that's that two games in two different sports. That's impressive, Carl. Yeah, well, the thing with weddings is there tends to be a lot of time like hanging around in the bar area waiting for the meal, I find. Mm. Until like half six, seven o'clock. So if there is an afternoon game on in between the if you have a mass in the afternoon time early afternoon then you've got two or three hours to kill it can be a nice way to spend a couple of hours dressed in your right. suit what sort of suit are we talking for the weekend yeah I got a I got a um, uh, it's, it's black tie so I actually I, I'll give them a bit of a plug I went to Collar and Cuff in Glasnevin and got my, my uh, suit with them so um, yeah I, I could I was just about fitting into it on the day and I, I haven't put it on since so it'll be a squeaky bum time on Saturday morning it's not great timing for a Leinster football final right no. bang on top of a Heineken Champions Cup final I mean the GEA were always going to face this situation I think given the new calendar but uh, when you have weekends like this and even uh, like, considering there are four provincial football finals on in one weekend you know it should be bumper coverage it, I, I appreciate provincial finals are not what they were but you think how little coverage there has been right across this week and it's because there's so much else going on allied to the fact that the provincial finals admittedly are not uh, what they were but um, yeah like Leinster football final with Leinster and the Heineken Champions Cup at exactly the same time doesn't sit well I think Joe the, I think the championship's been a bit strange so far it's like mm. I mean we've had some good games I, I have a slight issue with Hurling and I think I think at Hurling at the moment there's just so many scores in games um, that's another issue I think that there are too many scores a bit basketball-y in terms of football like we've had some really good games it's just it's happening so early in the year or something I don't know yeah oh no absolutely I mean the um, the qualifiers given Mayo and Monaghan and Armagh Tyrone uh, mightn't help later on the championship but that that will be a big weekend. I think it'll it'll start to catch fire a little bit and start to feel serious from that point on. I mean, it's a terrible thing that provincial football finals don't really grab the imagination anymore. I, I like this has been the case for the last um, couple of years. If you if you remove the COVID years, obviously, but since the round robin has come in, hurling has completely dominated the early stages of the summer, as you know, as it was certainly and, and as it is now. So the hurling round robin completely dominates. And I think like we've probably had a fair few football seasons now going back to Dublin Mayo in 2017 and uh, Kerry against Tyrone last year and a few seasons before that. We've probably had a few seasons where, frankly, the football season has been very underwhelming bar the like hardcore football fans who'd watch every game regardless. But in terms of like reaching up and grabbing the floating voter, a huge number of football seasons have just been saved at the death over the last couple of years. An amazing final between Dublin Mayo or, you know, a great semi-final here or there. Like, it's hard to think of too many amazing games pre-quarterfinal over the last five, six, seven years. Yeah, that's a fair you know, point. With, with, I'm sure, lots of exceptions, but I'm, I'm talking beyond the the football fan. I'm talking, I'm talking about the, the floating voter this weekend who uh, is, a, is a casual sports fan, likes most sports, is definitely going to watch the Champions League final because Leinster are in a Heineken Champions Cup final, we'll probably watch that. Uh, uh, I, I don't know how bothered they are about the football championship in the main for a lot of it. What do you say, Colin? Yeah, um, I think Joe's a very valid point in that the football championship tends to ignite very late on in the campaign. 
bar maybe your Galway versus Mayo in the first round of the Connacht Championship if mm. they clash or Roscommon have played Mayo and they beat them in Mikhail Park didn't they, a couple of years ago those sort of games and then obviously the Ulster Championship is the one that has been carrying the torch in the early part of the season um, but that said I mean on Sunday uh, Donegal and Derry is a real blockbuster game and then obviously Galway and Roscommon is another one in the provincial finals this weekend that are going to uh, take the real headlines on Sunday uh, probably ahead of the games obviously on Saturday and you know, I know you'll be talking to um, Eamon and, and Conleth later on in the programme, but for all four of those counties, definitely the provincial championships and the title that's on, on offer provides a huge incentive, I think, and is probably underlines that for a lot of counties, the provincial championships and the title that they offer still means quite a lot. Yeah, I, I think on that, show, like, you know, it would mean an awful lot for Derry to win an Ulster championship. Mm-hmm. Um, Kildare in Dublin is the most interesting Leinster final we've had in a while purely by virtue that Dublin aren't like raging certainties to win it um, I don't think they are anyway and obviously Roscommon Roscommon just enjoy beating Galway any day of the week and Galway haven't exactly won that many Connacht championships in the last 10 or 15 years so um, at least we have some intriguing deciders where there will be there will be actually great passion at those games yeah like as a Kildare man I would, I, I, as a Kildare man I can't say I'm terribly excited about Dublin Kildare are you not? No, like it's a foregone conclusion, is it not? It's not. You think it's not? No. Okay. Do not. Okay, uh, Mike. Michael's in the. Ma- our producer says it is. Okay. Well, if it, going on the betting, it's not a foregone conclusion. It's certainly not okay. the foregone conclusion that would be a fifteen-point game. I'm not sure what the handicap is. It's nothing like that. It's like five points or something like that. Okay. It's not as much of a foregone conclusion. And you have Daniel Flynn as it. Well, listen, and there's always the chance, of course, look, if he ignites and things go well, of course, in a, in a two-horse race, anything's possible. But uh, yeah, like the, what you could say is it's not as much of a foregone conclusion as the last number of years. Munster is a foregone conclusion, absolutely. Uh, Ulster's very interesting for sure. And um, Galway was coming to a point, but like outside of the two counties, you know, how, how much is the country really that invested in or are looking forward to it that much. I, I don't know, you know, and um, it's a tricky thing where, whereas a, a, the hurling round robin really works in Munster for sure. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I cover it and, and, and absolutely will watch the games and we'll be doing analysis pieces on it. But like, just speaking like personally, I, I just very jaded by the football championship. They had a great chance to, to really mix it up and they haven't taken that chance. And I don't like the condensed, schedule I understand the reasons for it but what frustrates me is that it seems every county I hear about is taking August and into September off anyway so it's not like the club player in a lot of instances is starting his championship any earlier as a result so I'm kind of thinking what do we what do like it's just I'm a bit nonplussed by it to be honest and I I, I can't what I would say is bring on the semi-final quarter-final stages as quickly as possible what about the Talisman Cup then Colin so I go playing London this weekend yeah um, I've been kind of keeping an eye on the promotion of it because a lot of people were saying that uh, it needed to be promoted heavily I think it's been quite good so far mm. and uh, I know Offaly and Wexford last weekend was a really good game and I saw some pictures from that and you could see how much it meant to Offaly to get over the line in that match so I think it's gotten off to a reasonably good start um, again as Joe makes the point that Saturday is so busy there are a couple of games this Saturday that will probably go under the radar just because it's such a packed sporting weekend uh, and sporting day with the Champions League and, and Champions Cup and then you have the provincial finals that are on Saturday point, I think 
think the Celtic Cup is actually scoped to become a really cool competition. Yeah, I agree. Um, even I agree. if say if London beats Ligo, don't underestimate what that means to that London team. Of course, yeah. And uh, you know, genuine aspirations for all counties that are in the competition. They only have to get through probably two or three games to get to Crow Park to play a semi final live on national television. Exactly. Which uh, is a real carrot for a number of counties, particularly those in Division Four, uh, that mightn't have been in Crow Park in, in decades. And uh to be honest, I think it's been a reasonably good start, possibly a little bit under the radar because of everything else that is happening. But once it gets into the latter stages, I hope that it will take off. And look, at I mean, it's it's never going to be perfect in the first year. But I think if they can get off to a solid enough start this year with the competition and then build on it next year in terms of correcting maybe stuff that mightn't have gone particularly well this year, yeah. I think it can have a, a really good future, yeah. Um, Michael has informed me, our producers, that we can go back to more wedding-related stories. So there's still time to get in some texts. I think we can all relate to some stories of watching sport um, at a wedding when probably we were doing it on the QT. But first of all, it's time for the news round call. Yeah, and we'll start with uh, tennis, Johnny, because the world number one Iga Svantec is safely through to the third round of the French Open. The polar star dropped just two games in a straight sets win over Alison Riesk earlier today. Speaking after, Svantec says she's trying to be as focused as possible on every game she plays. I think, you know, just being focused and wanting to put pressure on my opponent is really helpful because from the beginning I have initiative and I can really lead on court and it's giving me a lot. So that's just what I'm trying to do. And it's not that easy before every match. You really have to get pumped up and get in the zone. So um, I'm getting better and better at it, but I'm still not an expert. And elsewhere today at the tennis, the 8C Carolina Pliskova was knocked out after a straight sets defeat to world number 227, Leola Jean-Jean of France. Mel's world number four, Stefan Sissipas, is currently in action. He leads Zenit Collar by two sets to love and is on the brink of winning the uh, third set there. So he's looking like heading through. And second seed, Daniel Medvedev is also through. He won in straight sets earlier today against Laszlo Jure. Um, we have a bit of boxing as well. Yeah, all three Irish fighters in action at the Men's European Boxing Championships in Armenia suffered defeat today. Heavyweight Jack Marley lost to a Greek opponent in his last 16 bout and light middleweight Luke McGuire and welterweight Eugene McKeever both suffered defeats as well earlier on this afternoon. Before we get to the Republic of Ireland squad, um, here's a couple for you to ruminate over, uh, Joe. Lads, we got mm-hmm. married June 30, 1990. Um, that was a great time to be alive in Ireland. We embraced it. The band were langers before they even started. Um, what a day John in Limerick Ireland v Italy was that date oh my god lad back in 2012 I was a photographer at a wedding the day of the Heineken Cup and Champions League final spare thought for people working at it I didn't finish up until after the first dance at 1am I mean does anyone really care I mean you're a photographer at a wedding I mean you're, you're just there to take the photos really aren't you no I mean I don't know spare thought paid on the hour yeah it can be a long day it can be I have no yeah. experience so I can't say Mm, that was Leicester v Ulster and Chelsea v Bayern. I hope that uh, that texture in is still um, doing the, the good photos at the weddings. My daughter got married in Champions League finally in 2019. I told her if the guests couldn't see the match, I'd find a bar somewhere and leave the wedding to watch it. Needless to say, the meal was done and dusted by 8pm and we all got to see the match. Um, Deirdre, mother of the bride in Longford. There you go, Joe. It's the only way. you got to embrace it. The only way. I mean, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle and... Especially now, everyone will have their phones out. You know, <laughs> mm. though if if you're if you're an avid sports fan at this wedding, and you want to see Leinster Kildare, you want to see Leinster La Rochelle, and you want to watch the Champions League final, I don't really know how that wedding gets around that bar having everything wrapped up. And I, 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 the times don't work, so I don't know. Who, um, 
Yeah. Who's the neutral up for in the Champions League final? Um, the neutral. I like. I think in this part of the world, Liverpool, unless they're raging Manchester United fans, I would think. Like Florentino Perez and his European Super League and his cribbing over not signing Mbappe and I don't know certain familiarity, deeper familiarity with Liverpool, maybe. But then like there's something kind of cool about what this Madrid team exactly. has done. If you you know like it's hard not to look at Modric and Benzema and fighting and, uh, against the way time. They keep coming back a little bit, yeah. So um, uh, maybe split opinion on that actually. Who are you up for? I'd be up for Liverpool, obviously, but just see where I'm coming from, Carl. It's yeah. like a lot of no, people will have yeah. warmed this for Yeah, yeah. I think I, I agree with you. Um, obviously, in this part of the world, the uh, affiliation to clubs across the water can be quite uh, severe and I suppose people hold them dearly, so maybe not too many people. Not of a Liverpool persuasion, hoping that they get over the line, but um, mm. I mean, it is the sort of sporting occasion that all fans generally will warm to, regardless of who's in it, I think. I do wonder are Liverpool just getting a bit over I just are they getting a bit tired like are they just is it just taking its toll on them I think they kind of limped a bit in the, at the end albeit they were still winning in the league they kind of just I, I do wonder are, are some of their players just getting a bit tired at this stage yeah I think I, they, do. I, I, yeah. I think they're wrecked think do you they're think shattered. so John? yeah I think they're wrecked I think they've been wrecked for about a month mm. and uh, now that's not to say a week's rest all of the adrenaline that comes with this you, I kind of think they'll be okay actually on Saturday but I think for the past couple of weeks they have been wrecked in a weird way football has been better than ever this is Gaelic football great matchups when the best teams play but that's two three games a year it's not enough for the whole year the format yeah. is all wrong not the sport Joe I totally agree I think the sport is incredible Gaelic like I, I come away heartbroken every at the end of every year because you watch the great games semi-final finals I, like some of those Dublin Mayo games in particular like 17 still lives in the memory and um you know, the Dublin Kerry draw and then the replay, even though Dublin won that a bit more comfortably. And and even like the Tyrone ambush and Kerry last year. And, and well, the final was a bit of a dab squib. But you, anyway, you take my point. Uh, the best two, three, four counties, the way they play football now, I just think it's it's exceptional. It's just a joy to watch. And I <laughs> I, I come away every summer going, go, why, can I get, why can't I get just a bit more of that? Like... Big surface, you know, Crow Park as much as possible, high stakes. Like, I just think it's never been better. But I, equally, I think we've all had our fill of our frustration with the structure. It just, you know, we, I, we've talked about it a million times on the show. And so there's no point going over the same old arguments. But I think, and looking at text messages in or tweets in, I think most people are incredibly frustrated with it now. Um, for sure, like Derry uh, and, their, and their run in, in Ulster, this year has, has given us a bit of something and, and Mayo going out early gives us a bit of something. But like beyond that, what are we talking about this year that there was to get excited about? What was there in Munster? What was there in Leinster? That was certainly on live TV. Mayo, Galway, absolutely. Um, and then the few games in Ulster, but it's not enough. You know, mm. it's just it's just not enough to, to reach out and grab people, I think. What else we got called? Well, let's uh, move on to the Republic of Ireland under-21 squad named today by manager Jim Crawford. He's included four newcomers in his squad for the upcoming European Championship qualifiers against Bosnia and Herzegovina, Montenegro and Italy. Teo Adaramola of Crystal Palace, QPR Sinclair Armstrong, Wolves midfielder Joe Hodge and Cork City's David Harrington have all received a first call-up. Ireland currently third in the group. They play Bosnia, Herzegovina and Tala on the 3rd of June, while Montenegro come to Dublin on the 6th of June and their last group game is away to Italy on 
the 14th of June. Um, no Rory McIlroy at the Irish Open. This, I was just on RTE's website earlier. This was their top red. So obviously this is energising people. I don't really have much interest in golf. Is this a big deal? I know he's saying his scheduling and so on. Yeah, so he's confirmed that he's uh, not going to play at Mount Juliet uh, in the event that begins at the end of next month. But he is going to participate in the JP McManus Pro-Am at Adair Manor in early July. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not ideal that he's, he's not playing, but I think he certainly has credit in the bank when it comes to the Irish yeah. Open because he has revitalised the tournament almost single-handedly Any in the last five or six job? years. Um, like, I can see it from both sides from McElroy's point of view. He really does have to look after himself at this stage of his career. And so his logic, Johnny, is that he'll be playing the next four weeks in a row. So we're talking Memorial, which is a really big tournament and absolutely should play in that. The Canadian Open, where he's effectively the defending champion. The US Open, which is a major he has to play. The Travellers afterwards, not as big a tournament, but he's down to play the Travellers afterwards. And so the Irish Open would come the week after that. Five weeks in a row is a lot. It is a lot. And then, look, he's playing in the Pro-Am. I prefer him playing the Irish Open to the Pro-Am at Adair, but that's been locked in for a while. And then he's going to take another week off and then he's at St. Andrews. So, look, that's a lot of golf. It is a lot of golf. And he does have to think about the US Open and St. Andrews primarily and make sure he's fresh for both and finely tuned for both. And I, I can see how five weeks is, you know, an awful lot. I, but I can understand people's disappointment with it as well. Like, he, he effectively saved this tournament. Mm. He really did. And so, in that sense, he doesn't owe anybody anything. Um, but you kind of think like you saved it, you got it back going again. The thing is, Rory's one of those handful of players where if he's at a tournament, you have a tournament with which has global attention and, you know, the crowds would love to see him. He's an electric presence. So like for the tournament, I hate using words like disaster in the, in the context of sport, but you'll take the point for the tournament is a disaster, you know, um, as for McElroy's rationale, he's played 12 of the last 13, was there last year to support it in Manchuliet. Uh, it's uh, you just you, you have to allow him to be his own man and to pick his own schedule. You just hope it doesn't become a thing. You hope you know we see him far more often than not. He missed Lahinch as well, and now he's missing this one. Whereas you sort of suspect at the start of each year, Shane Lowry says, "Right, here's the calendar. Where are the four majors on? When are they on? When's the Irish Open on?" And almost works from there. And um, and that's probably not where Rory's coming at it from at this stage. So. Um, Really bad for the tournament, and and look, hopefully it doesn't become a trend. He'll get he'll get plenty of stick for it, I'm sure. Yeah, and just briefly on a on a similar enough kind of um, team in some respects is his uh, compatriot Reese McLenahan. This is an interesting one, Carl, because I don't know you're you're talking Good Friday Agreement stuff here, which is quite yeah. a, an intriguing one from Reese today. Yeah, so this uh, story has broken in the last uh, couple of hours. He's appealed to the International Gymnastics Federation to reconsider their decision to pre- prevent him from competing for Northern Ireland at the Commonwealth Games. McLenahan, Eamon Montgomery, and Ewan McAteer have been informed by the FIG that they. They cannot represent Northern Ireland at the event as they've represented Ireland in other FIG events. McLenaghan won gold for Northern Ireland at the event in 2018 in the Pommel Horse and said today on social media that the FIG do not understand the gravity of the Belfast Agreement and the unique situation pertaining to Northern Ireland. Commonwealth Games Northern Ireland have also released a statement and say they plan to challenge the ruling and the Games are due to take place in Birmingham this summer beginning at the end of July. Uh, one last story. 
let's uh, take you to news from the Munster Hurling Final with this year's uh, Hurling Final looking set to be a sellout between Limerick and Clare in Thurless 11,000 terrace tickets sold out in 11 minutes this morning ahead of the game on Sunday week and all remaining tickets are now with the county boards and season ticket holders uh, enjoy your weekend and you hope uh, the wedding goes well yeah um, I'm sure you'll be intrigued uh, enjoy your weekend Joe Johnny have a good one thanks lads that was the news round